0: met a girl in August at an event I was speaking at, and in a little introduction that she had written in the wee brochure at that event, she said that she suffered from something called FOMO. I'd never heard of that before. Uh, at first, being a 39 year old man, I assumed it was some sort of illness. I was very sorry for the girl. I hope that didn't cause a rash. I hope it wasn't caused by fungus or anything like that. It sounded desperate. But as I discovered over the course of those few days at that event, if FOMO is not an illness that uh, you get from, you know, a fly bite or a mosquito, it's called fear of missing out. FOMO. It's one of those things. Uh, a mnemonomic and I can't say. It stands for something. That's FOMO. Fear of missing out. Maybe it's something that you suffer from. Certainly at this time of the year when everybody and their granny seems to be changing their lives. Everybody's joining the gym and going on a diet and doing amazing things and they're gonna climb Everest this year. They're gonna go and Walk the dog every day for three hours in Newcastle and live the dream. And you think to yourself, well, actually on Tuesday I'm just going to on S. Your life doesn't seem to be very exciting. The highlight of your week is, is when you're talking to the girl at the checkout in Poundland. That's as good as it gets for you. And you've this sense in you that is FOMO, fear of missing out. That somehow in this grand picture of life that you have been overlooked that nobody cares about you, nobody's helped you, that, that your life has gone a direction that you didn't want it to go, and there you are, knee-deep in, in obscurity and nonsense, and you're covered in fomo. Folks, it's a disease, I think, at time to time we all have, certainly as ministers, and, and John will discover this. This is the year that John gets called to a church of his own. Uh, if I was a, an evil, horrible man, I would say, Hallelujah! But I won't. I won't. But John's going to get a church of his own. And all those churches will come to hear him preach, and they'll all be sitting in the back row in their gray suits with their clipboards, and they will tell John anything. They will tell him whatever he wants to hear. How many's at the prayer meeting? Oh, at least 700. At least. There's only 60 that go to the church, but oh, at least 700, John. They'll tell him everything and whatever he wants to hear. And we buy into that. Because every church is better than our church, isn't it? Every Christian is having a better time than we are, aren't they? Everybody's living more of a dream than we ever could. Isn't that right? Folks, it's a an illness that affects us. It's something that creeps in in our sinful moments that causes us to be restless, even though faith is a resting in Christ. John writes this first letter, and as I've said, by the grace of God, we will do all the John's first second and third. But John writes this letter in response to the teaching of evil and wicked men who are preaching lies and heresy and unsettling the Church of Jesus Christ. They're coming with their false doctrines and their false teachings and they're producing in these Christians and probably Ephesus, certainly in Turkey, Asia Minor, they're producing in them a a bit of FUMO. Because after all, as you are sitting there listening to the teaching that you've heard year after year, week after week, month after month, day after day. And this group comes along called the Gnostics, and they're saying that they have got deeper teaching. They've got the the real truth of the Bible. They know it. You don't. Your pastor certainly doesn't. And if you came to our fellowship, well, you would get that deep teaching too. Can you imagine that? You're sitting in your We Reform Fellowship here in Eden Grove. There's a buddy down the town, down the street, that's got deeper, richer teaching that only God has revealed to him. Maybe a wee bit of Christian FOMO would creep in, a fear of missing out. And there were also a group called the Docetists. And they were coming and saying, oh yeah, you've got Jesus all wrong. Uh, the Christian orthodox position always has been that Christ was fully God and fully man without sin. That is the truth we confess and proclaim, and anybody tells you different is, is wrong. Jesus was not a pretend man. He was fully God, fully man, but without sin. And into that, you've got the docetists who come along and they say, No, 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 that's that's not right. Jesus was only the image of a man. Jesus only came and had the appearance of humanity. Your preachers, your teachers, your apostles, they are doing you wrong. You, you don't have the truth can imagine that can't you because we all want to be sure we want to be sure that that what we believe and what we proclaim is 100 percent accurate and true we want to be absolutely 100 percent right and there's that wee docentess voice which says jesus was just sort of an appearance of a man maybe that's right maybe the apostles wrong in this maybe we we need to go to that other fellowship to to figure out the the real gospel the the real truth I came across this last week, and I'm sure it's a its a wonderful church. I know nothing about it, but uh, as I was driving through Ballymena, I saw this big sign up for a, a church in this way of state, and it was called the Covenant Reformed Bible Church. It's probably an excellent church. I have no disagreement with any of those titles, but it was almost like we're going to stick this on a board because nobody else is this. We are the Covenant Reformed bible church and in the Christian world we're, we're like that, other churches have have better things than we do better preachers, better minibuses, better property, more in the choir, more musicians uh, better praise, all that sort of stuff and, and Christian FOMO raises its head and we have that fear of missing out and we drift off and we go to places that perhaps might have all the best of stuff but perhaps do not have the truth of God's word. That's what's going on here in these days as John writes his first letter. The Docetists and the Gnostics are abounding. They are teaching and preaching falsehoods. There are many antichrists, John says later in his letter, who have already come. Many who are against Jesus and they are in the church. Friends, Christian FOMO will often lead us astray and Christian FOMO will rob us of our assurance see Gnosticism was false then and it is false now there is no deeper knowledge to be had that God only gives to certain individuals if you have a Bible in front of you in your own language then you are an incredibly blessed person you have God's revelation to you and in it you will find all that you need to find to believe about God and what he expects of humanity friends if you hear prophets or prophetesses telling you that That the Lord has told them something and only them and take it with a massive pinch of salt and preferably throw that pinch of salt straight at them. Don't believe a word of it. Gnosticism is false. And also docetism is false as well because Christ was not a pretend man. He was a full man, fully God, fully man without sin. See, if you believe these lies and these heresies, and even the heresies that abound in this day and age, you get to a place where you have no assurance. Because after all, if you have your Bible, but there's supposedly deeper knowledge that you don't have, you're robbed of your assurance. After all, if you have your Bible, and the preacher always says that Christ was God and man without sin, but someone comes along and says, that's not right, then you're robbed of your assurance. Or you turn on the God channel, or whatever you want to turn on, and you, hear these guys swinging their jackets around and and healing people and breathing on a crowd at a stadium and everybody falls down. And you think, well, Scott doesn't do that. I had about three liters of kimchi over Christmas. If I breathed on you at Boxing Day, I think I could make you fall down. But I'll not do it on a Sunday morning. But you look at that and you think, why do we not have that extravaganza in Eden Grove? And it robs you of your show. It makes you unsettled and, and restless. John writes to these men and women, and he says in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. John's purpose in this letter is so that you might be sure, so that you might have certainty that you have eternal life, so that in your salvation that has been won for you by Christ, that this will not be a year where you are unsettled, filled with FOMO, filled with uncertainty about the things that you have been taught desperately seeking out deeper truths that God has only revealed to certain individuals but that you might be certain, you might be sure that you know and believe passionately that you have everlasting life. John wrote his gospel as he tells us in John 20 so that you might believe Jesus is the son of God and that by believing you might have life in his name. John writes First John So that you may know that you have eternal life. So that you need not be gazing over the fence and seeing that luscious green grass and that wonderfully named fellowship. You have that deeper knowledge robbing you of your assurance and your certainty. John writes so that you will be sure. And how can John be sure? Well, John was an apostle. We believe that John was the last of the apostles. We believe that he died in, in old age. He was probably the only apostle who died quietly in his bed. That may not be true, the Bible doesn't say us, but church tradition suggests that, that John was old and grey when he died. So the last of the apostles, the last of the men who had seen the resurrected Christ and had been sent out to preach the gospel, to authenticate it with signs and wonders, here is what John says. That which was from the beginning, verse 1, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life. And this is an echo of the very first verse of John's Gospel, where he tells us that in the beginning was the word, that famous verse. Well, John returns there. He reminds us that that which was from the beginning, he points us to the reality that Christ is the eternal one. How can we be sure? Why is it we are confident of what we are teaching you? What is it we want to pass on to you? The eternal Christ. That's what we want to say to you, says John. There are others who who maybe teach and preach this deeper knowledge in these other ways that you've never heard of before, but we preach Christ crucified. John was the original free Presbyterian. and Indeed, he was just nothing more than a, a Christian who, like us all, strives to preach Christ and him crucified. That which was from the beginning, says John, The eternal Christ, which we have heard about, which we have seen with our eyes. well, this is what we preach to you. This Jesus, who is the word of life, the the truth, the one who brings salvation to his bride, the church. This is what we are teaching you about. And in verse 2, he goes on and makes it clear that the eternal Christ was made manifest. He took on flesh. The life was made manifest, says John, and we have seen it. And we have testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. And here is the miracle of Christmas. And the tree is down, and and the the big letters up here have gone. It all fallen off, I believe, last week anyway. Uh, All of that is is done and dusted. All that remains of Christmas is, you know, the ice sweets and the quality street box that nobody likes, and, and many leftover turkey that you haven't got round to throwing out yet, but, but that's the miracle of Christmas, isn't it? That the eternal Christ Jesus takes on flesh. He is made manifest, and John says we have seen him. We have heard him. We have been eyewitnesses of his greatness and his majesty. In fact, we have, we have even touched him with our hands, says John. John doesn't bring deeper knowledge. He doesn't come with a a docetist error which says Jesus was a pretend man. He says, Do you know what? I touched him. and He wasn't a ghost. He was flesh and blood. I saw him. I, I lived with him and I drank with him and I ate with him and I walked with him. This is the message that we proclaim to you. And friends, for us to have that deep assurance in our lives, for us to know and understand that, that we have eternal life. In our months and year 2019 must be filled with Christ. Only when the Christian's eyes and heart and soul is filled with Jesus, only when we live to see more of Jesus, only when we desire more of him and more of his word and more of his uh, power and Christ's likeness in our lives, that's where assurance comes from. It doesn't come from those false teachers who, who promise you've never heard this before. The church have got it wrong. This is the truth. It doesn't come when when we follow those lies and those errors from the Antichrists who have already come. We have that deep, settled assurance when we look on to Jesus. And isn't it interesting that we start 2018 with a, a message which is about Christ? And this is probably my eleventh new year with Eden Grove. And I can't remember what I preached in all of those new years, but I hope by the grace of God every time I stood up here on the first Sunday of any year, I proclaimed Christ. Because we have nothing or no one else to proclaim. And that's not a negative statement. That's not if we had something better, we would we would preach it. There is nothing better. It's not that we have not preached the whole counsel of God. We have done our best to do exactly that. But, but the message of the church has always been Christ. The eternal Jesus who was with God in the beginning, and was God in the beginning, has been made manifest. Now John says in verse 3, That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you. See friends, we are an apostolic church. We do not write it on the board at the front. We are not Eden Grove, Reformed, Covenant, Bible, Protestant, Apostolic, Calvinist, Fellowship of Flowing Rivers and Abundant Mercy You know the names of churches in this day and age. We're we're just Eden Grove. We used to be second and third Battle of Hinch. We're now Eden Grove. I think Winston came up with that name in about 1872. But that's all we are. But behind that we name Eden Grove. We're apostolic. We strive to be a church that is built on the teaching of the apostles. And why is it the, the teaching of the apostles and the prophets? Because this is the very foundation, as Paul says in Ephesians 2 that Christ has built his church upon the foundation of the prophets and the apostles with Christ himself being the cornerstone friends John says this is what we pass on to you if John was indeed the last of the apostles well he does his job he says to the church I'm not telling you lies I'm not giving you mysterious deeper knowledge I'm I'm not pretending that Jesus was a ghost with only the appearance of man I'm an apostle I'm an eyewitness. I I have seen and I have heard and I have touched. And this is what I I share with you. And friends, again, you today do not be someone, need to be someone who, who suffers from FOMO. You do not need to be a Christian with that endless fear of missing out. You are a Christian. And in this little mundane wee building of ours, which it's not new, you've been here before and seen it before and there's there's many fellowships with more comfortable pews. Fellowships with better preachers. No fellowship anywhere with better looking. Preacher, John. Preacher. Not plural. But this is a routine kind of place. Somewhere you've sat before and listened before and been before. But even this very morning... You have come into this place and heard the word of God, spoken, read, and now preached, even imperfectly preached, in your own language. And what you're hearing is the very word of God himself. You have heard God speaking. And what you're hearing in this imperfect sermon is what I believe to be the teaching of the Apostle John. And you are a blessed child of God this morning. And you may not climb sleeve proof this year. And you may not lose the 13 stone before your son gets married in the middle of February. But you're blessed. You're not missing out on anything in Christ. Because you are in Christ. John says, what we have seen and heard, what we have touched and and received from Christ, we have passed this on to you. This is what we proclaim so that you might have fellowship with us. Because our fellowship, he says at the end of verse 3, is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Here is John's goal, that you as a child of God will enjoy fellowship, not only with the apostles, but with one another. That we would come Sunday by Sunday and have that wonderful joy as we drink coffee together, not this morning, admittedly, but most weeks, as we sit together and celebrate together and as we weep together and comfort one another together that is what it is to be as, as Christians as part of this fellowship and friends you may not have FOMO but I hope you will have Kiko and what is that That's, that maybe odd sounding but, but it's CECO because when it comes to this church in 2019 my prayer is that you would treat this place the way you vote do you know the way we vote in Northern Ireland you vote early and you vote often do you know that old thing well, I pray that you will come early, and you will come often to this place. Because as we gather in here, it's not as a bunch of individuals. I know we've all got our own seats. We, we like our own sides of the, 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 the church, and, and up in the balcony with the balcony dwellers. I'm with you, brothers and sisters up there. That's where I would sit. And then there's the middle bunch, and you haven't moved in 11 years, and Brogan sits over there, and everybody else sits over there. They're all the Broganites in that corner, and, over here well we're not sure what they are but we'll, we'll figure that out but but folks we are a family and john says we proclaim these things to you so that you will have that fellowship you have fellowship importantly with god but also with one another and as we gather here Sunday by Sunday by Sunday, i pray that you'll not treat this place like you treat the doctor surgery when you go into the doctors what do you do you sit down and the doctor, they have all the fancy magazines that you can't afford in your own and you would never buy. And so you're knee-deep in Ulster Tatler and, and uh, Ulster Vanity, whatever it is. You're looking at the outfits and you're, you're FOMO, filled with FOMO again because you'd love that outfit, no shoes. And someone comes in, you know, ah, put the head down. I don't want to talk to them. I don't want them knowing that I have a desperate rise and I think it's FOMO. So you just ignore them, say nothing. Friends, that's not how we do Church. We come in and we sit together and talk together and drink tea together. And I know some of you like coming in, bang on, 11 o'clock. I know some of you like coming in, bang on, about 25 past 11. Here's your challenge. For the sake of fellowship, for the sake of of standing together, knowing that we have been saved, for the sake of our assurance, come early, come often. Be in this place more and more and more. And why, says John in verse 4, We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. See, that is a wonderful but neglected aspect of the Christian life. Joy. Joy. I always remember when we were vacant years ago in McQuiston. Our convener uh, was a man called David Maxwell. St. Andrews, I think he was. And he came down one day and our choir, who were a robed choir, took themselves very seriously. Uh, Not like our choir, they only mess about, you know. They, these guys took themselves very seriously. David Maxwell got up, he announced the hymn, and, and it was sung with not very much joy or delight. And, and about the second verse, he said, oh, 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 that's it, that's it. This song's about joy. Try singing it with joy. As you looked at the choir, they were ripping their robes, and they wanted to climb up into the pulpit to get at them. But, But often as Presbyterians, that's what we're like. Our faith should cause us to have joy. See, when we live a life in this town, the joy is kicked out of you. Eleven years in ballin and at times, I despise ballin The gossip, and the slander, and the division in the church, and, and all the stuff that you and I know, and we don't need to repeat, but, but I'm sure at times in this town, you think, oh, I'd live anywhere else. And I'd, I'd, I'd even live in Drummond S. if I could get out of Ballin-Hinch this world and in this time that we live in it sucks the joy out of you brexit and all the stuff that goes with it donald trump and, and a big wall i'd love trump to come to ulster and build a big wall around the months so i would I'd, I'd happily pay for that myself because the joy is kicked out of you absolutely kicked out of you by life and by work and, and by your sister who's a pain in the neck and by those Christians that tell you, oh, you don't really understand. We're we're robbed of our joy, robbed of our assurance. And John says, meet together. Have this fellowship, this this apostolic fellowship that proclaims Christ so that our joy may be complete. Friends, I would love it, and only you can say if this is true or not, but I would love it if, if Eden Grove was a place that you came to on a Sunday and left feeling a wee bit better. Now, you're still ugly. No, we can't fix that. But you're ugly and filled with joy. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing in 2018? And maybe it's joy because you've enjoyed the praise or, or, or the preaching, or it's joy because Sunday by Sunday you meet with wee Bobby or Susie or whoever it is, and you have a wee cup of coffee out there, and you just touch base. How are you? Here is John's response to the Gnostics and their deeper knowledge, and the Docetists with their... There lies about Christ. Here is John's response. We pass on Christ to you. This is what we preach. So that you will have fellowship with one another and God and so that our joy may be complete. There's our resolutions for the new year. See, our God can be trusted. Whether it's 2019 or 20 or 21 or whatever year it might be, our God can be trusted. There is no change with him, no variation with him. John says in verse 5, This is the message which we have heard and proclaimed to you, that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. God is good. God is light. God does not know sin. God is not evil. He is not this malicious, angry God waiting to pounce upon you. In 2019, even with all the uncertainties that this year brings, our God is light. And in him there is no darkness. And isn't that in itself an assurance? Isn't that in itself just a, a deep and wonderful truth for us to meditate upon. For I am not like that, and neither are you. We are fiddlers' elbows. We are up and we are down. I mentioned to the kids about Ronnie McFaul. Most of you don't know who that is. But for most of my adult life, I despised Ronnie McFaul. He managed a team called Port it Down. I despised Porta Down. Nothing wrong with that place, but I don't like their football team. And Ronnie McFall was famous for hating the clans. So we did not like him. Ronnie McFall then became the manager of the glens, and suddenly you have to throw out twenty-five years of bitterness, and suddenly you love this guy. And you're all over the show. And this week Ronnie McFall resigned, and frankly, I'm relieved, because we can get back to not liking him anymore. That's what we're like, isn't it? We're up here and we're down there and we're in between and we're uh oh and one day we're full of chat, and the next day we're God is constant. John says our God is like he has brought truth to shine into this dark place and in john 8 and verse 12 jesus says i am the light of the world and ever follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life here is what our god is about he is light that he he shines into the darkness of this world he speaks to us and he says follow me and the gnostics cannot be trusted and the docetists are telling you lies and This world will kick lumps out of you, but I have given you my word. And it is sure, and it is constant, and it is true, and God is light. Friends, here is the constant that we have in this year. Because as John finishes this chapter, we see the lies that have come from these other groups. They have come and they have said that, well, if you are with God, then you can live however you want. And John refutes that. He says in verse 6, if we say we have fellowship with God while we walk in darkness, we lie, and we do not practice the truth. If we walk in the light, he says in verse 7, if we are Christians, he says, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Here is the Christian life, says John. It's not about living how you want. It's not about someone says, oh, I'm a believer I don't go to church. I don't do any of that. I just do whatever I want. It's between me and the big man upstairs. Nonsense, says John. If we know God, if we walk in the light and we fellowship with one another, we walk after God and in his own way, and when we sin, we know that repentance will see us restored and forgiven because the blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin. The Gnostics and the Docetists have got it wrong. The Christian is one who fears God and and walks every day after him. The Christian is one who aspires to live a Christian life, who minds their own business, who works with their hands all for the glory of God. And the lies continue. Because in verse 8, John says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Again, you can tell these false preachers were obviously putting this message out there. We are perfect. John's not perfect. Paul's not perfect. Peter's not perfect but we are perfect in this fellowship. I will never sin. I will never do wrong things. John says if we believe this lie, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us, but for the Christian, verse 9, we know the wonder and joy of repentance. For if we confess our sins, God is both faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, And how can he do this? Well, it is as Paul says in Romans 3, God is both just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Christ. He is just because Christ has paid for our sins, and he is the justifier of the one who comes to faith in Jesus. This is our God. And so we know in 2019 that if we are up and down and, and filled with sin and lies and deceit, then we can run to Christ and be forgiven by his precious blood. Friends, there's a simple message there, but it is one of assurance and one of confidence that we have not believed an inconstant Savior, but but one who is faithful and just. And finally, the last lie John tells us in verse 10. If we say we have not sinned, again, there's evidence to suggest that that was the, the false teaching that was coming through individuals who would say, I am perfect. I have never deliberately sinned in my life. Follow my example. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. See, friends, all these lies would ultimately rob you of any certainty and assurance you might have. Your pastor says that he has not sinned, and you should be the same. Well, who can fulfill such a challenge as that? Your pastor says that uh, we, we have no sin then. And because we are with God, well, it doesn't really matter how we live. And you think, well, is that right? And you're all over the place and you're uncertain. John writes to these men and women who are maybe suffering a little bit from FOMO and he encourages them to remember Christ. For friends, Christ is the message that John preaches. Christ is the center of every sermon passed on to this fellowship Christ is the word of life. Christ is the one who is eternal. Christ is the one who was made manifest. Christ is the one who has died a sinner's death at Calvary. Christ is the raised one. And Christ is the one who is on his way back. And so my prayer for Scott Andrew Woodburn and for all of you and your wee households in this year is that they would be years filled with Christ. Let's not make big plans and Unless, of course, it's to renew your vows in Las Vegas and take Scott with you and pay for his three weeks out there. I'm happy to fulfill those dreams with you, but let's not beat ourselves up over the nonsense and the FOMO. Let's not destroy ourselves over life, which at times seems very mundane and routine. May we be men and women that live quiet lives, minding our own business, working hard with our hands, all for the sake of Christ. For we know that in Christ... God's light has shined his truth has been revealed and as you and I have called upon him so we are saved and so we will be saved friends, 2019 has come and so has Jesus and so this year as for me and my house we will trust in him Amen and we thank God or his word.